because we've been working our way, and God has been teaching us as a church. If we look at back two years ago where we were, and hopefully now, two years on, we've advanced in our walk with the Lord, we're advanced with what we're doing in the community, we're advanced in the way that we show love or encourage one another. You know, we started out wanting to step out in faith, and, and people are starting to do that. They're getting out of the boat. They're, they're risking, you know, falling in the water because God's calling them into a purpose. People are starting to encourage one another. But now I think we're working just on the area of the tongue. And last message was that our thinking, remember the circle that we did, if our thinking is wrong, all right, then our belief is wrong, and then, you know, what we say is wrong, and then, of course, then the outcome is not very victorious. And so then if our thinking is right, and, and we align it with what the Word of God says, then our belief will be right, and then what comes out of our mouth will be right, and then we'll have victory. You agree with me in that? It's that simple. But if our thinking is wrong, it affects everything in our life, all right? And God's really been challenging me in that area as well. But uh, the area I want to look at this morning is taking it a step further, okay? Our tongue needs to be under control, but we, it's there for a purpose. God has given us a tongue. If you think about what is the purpose of the tongue, does anybody want to have a guess at that? Pardon? Speaks what God's word, that's a good one. Bless and encourage. All right? Well, it's also there to create. It's one part of our body that actually can create. You know, how did God form the earth? How did he form anything? He spoke, didn't he? So we just get into that, that a little bit. If we uh, have a look at the power of blessing, and we'll look at these couple of verses out of Proverbs first to start off with. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. And that's from the Message Bible. From the NIV, it says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Okay, so there is a purpose that when we bless, and we can do that in many ways, we can take scones next door, we can help somebody with their shopping, we can do all sorts of ways with our time and with our money, as John was mentioning earlier, you know, we can do things like that, but we can also do it with our mouth, we can bless with our mouth. So let's just pray, let's just commit this to the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, I know that you've been speaking to me and you've been speaking to the church, mighty God. And Lord, I just pray that this message, dear Lord, will be received with gladness. And I pray that for good soil in our hearts to receive what you're saying to us at this time. What is from you, dear Lord, I pray will resonate, dear Lord, in people's hearts. What's from me will just fall to the floor. But we pray a blessing, Lord, on this message. And those that have come out this morning, in your wonderful name, amen. Okay, so... The act of blessing or refreshing others with food, clothes, time, whatever, has always been high on God's agenda. But using our speech to bless others is one of the reasons we were given speech. God's nature is to bless and to bless through the words of his people. But unfortunately, our tongues get away on us. They are not as disciplined as they it could be and should be. Would anybody agree with that? A few of you. Man, the tongue can get away on us. All right? And even Bible greats, and I thought of this story, I'm going to put it up here, about Elisha. You might uh, uh, remember the story. From there, Elisha went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, some boys came out of the town and jeered at him, saying, Get out of here, baldy. He turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 boys. All right? It's an incredible story. 
He just had enough of them, and he called a curse. Out it came his mouth, a curse. Bears came out and mauled 42 boys. They can't have been Kaitaia boys. I can't imagine the, the bear catching any more than two Kaitaia boys. <laughs> you know, you see on the video as they run out of the, um, the dairies with balaclavas, you know, they're off. <laughs> but there's a sense that we can use our tongue for evil quicker than we actually can use it for blessing. We know this isn't Elisha's finest hour, but we have been in the same place, I'm sure. We've, we've wanted to use our tongue for mischief. You know, James tells us, and this is a bit of a reading as we get into this, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and, it's its, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. And then he says, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Now, that that's a challenge. Think about your mouth now. Think about your own mouth. Does fresh water and salt water come out of that mouth? Give me a wave, come on, if that happens in your life. So good and evil, in a way, comes out of your mouth. Positivity and negativity comes out of your mouth. Is that right? And, and yet, you know, James is saying this shouldn't be. So this is our message. This is the encouragement for this morning. Is swearing and cursing acceptable? I've been wanting to get into this for a while. You know, I'm not looking at anybody. Is swearing and cursing acceptable in God's sight? Ask yourself that in your heart. Do you think that's right? If God was standing or the Lord was standing next to us, would we swear and curse? <laughs> we'd actually be on the floor because we'd realize how, just how filthy we are, I think. But should others hear or see us behaving like this? Ask yourself that. It's a reflection on, you see, we're Christians. And remember what I said once before that originally in the book of Acts, we were called the way, not Christians. We were called the way. In other words, when people saw us, they would see the way, all right? So as Christians, we are the way. So when we behave and we, how we speak reflects on God. We're saying this is how God is because we're part of the way. We're Christians. We're behaving like God. So it's giving him a bit of a bad rap, don't you think? <laughs> well, actually, who we're reflecting is actually the devil. <laughs> because remember, the devil brought negativity into the world. The fall, we've got to think about this. In the Garden of Eden, everything was perfect. It was like heaven. We communed with God. We had fellowship with God, the animals, you know, there was no fear. But when we went out into the out of the outer garden of Eden, then all those things came in. Who brought those things? The devil brought them. He gave them us as tools. And so which tools do we grasp? That's the reality of it. We must realize that negative speech and negative thinking comes from the devil, not from God. Using the same mouth for praising and cursing actually reminds me of this story. This is a good story. This is God talking to Isaiah. He's having a go at some of the Israelites. He, the carpenter, 
cut down cedars or perhaps took a cypress or oak. So here God is chatting to Isaiah. Half of the wood he burns in the fire. Over it he prepares his meal. He roasts his meat and eats his fill. Okay, so you can picture that. He's cut down some tree and he's using the, the wood for his fire. He also warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm. I see the fire. From the rest he makes a god, his idol. He bows down to it and worships. He prays to it and says, Save me. You are my god. All right, now there's a ridiculousness that, as we know, worshiping a piece of wood. But that's not what God's getting into. No one stops to think. No one has the knowledge or understanding to say, half of it is used for fuel. I even baked bread over its coals. I roasted meat and I ate. And then God says, shall I bow down to a block of wood? Such a person has a deluded heart. So the principle is here, you go into the forest, you cut a piece of wood, you take it home, you're going to make an idol. But half of it, you're going to burn your meat on. You know, you're going to burn in the fire. Which bit of it is holy? None of it, of course. What about your mouth? Which bit of that is holy? And this is the, uh, God's picture to say. He's actually saying to Isaiah, how stupid this is. They have lost the plot. They cut a tree down, make an idol, and worship as holy, and yet use the cutoffs as firewood. Crazy. And so this is what James is saying. Come on, guys. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can't both fresh, can both fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? Now, I've mentioned it before, but remember Amy Carmichael's uh, saying, you know, no matter how hard a cup of fresh water is bumped, it'll only spill fresh water. So if your cup, if your life is only full of fresh water, it's only full of goodness, it's only full of life, when troubles come your way or people anger you, when it, your cup is bumped, only fresh water comes out. But when people anger you and you give them a serve or you hit your thumb with a hammer and you swear or all those sort of things, that's inside you. So when your cup is bumped, out comes stuff that you're probably not proud of. So it's in you. And we've got to ask God to take that away. God creates with his mouth. And having made us in his image, he wants us to create with our mouth. In Genesis 1, it says, 27, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, made them male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Unfortunately, our built-in negative bias can cause us to criticize and speak negativity or even say nothing. That can be a bad thing as well when we actually say nothing when we should say something good. The other day on Thursday, I... I um, I met a man I'd only met briefly, and during that meeting, he and I were uh, having a look at a house, because we're looking for a house to rent at the moment, and we were in this house, and another man came in who was a leader in the community, who was a friend of the first man, and he came in, and in a joking way, he said, I wouldn't trust him, all right? And men are like that. We, we, we joke, all right? But... It bothers me when, when people do that, people that we would look up to. This, this man would probably look up to him as a leader. And, but we have a choice. Our humor sometimes can put people down. And it would, it would have been great if that man who had come in and didn't, and he didn't know that I knew the man at all because I'd only met him briefly before, but he could have said something 
you know, this guy is a great guy. He works in such and such, and I would trust him with my life. You know, wouldn't that be uplifting? I think we've all been in that situation where somebody, just out of humor, puts us down. In Proverbs, it says, the Lord detests the thought of the wicked, but gracious words are pure in his sight. That purity, pure, gracious words are pure in his sight. Words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are consumed by their own lips. This verse challenged me, challenged me years ago, and I try to live by it. I try to. That if, you know, if I've got wisdom, that out of my mouth comes gracious words to people. And so that takes away those things of putting people down. I've seen some great men come into a room and say some shabby things, and yet they would have had the they would have, if they'd said something great, you know what I mean? You would have just looked up to them in a greater way. And I'm not knocking people. It's, you know, I'm speaking to myself as well. You know what I mean? We, we have that opportunity to bless people, and we fail so often. We've all been on the receiving end of intentional or unintentional negativity, and possibly we've been guilty to put, of put-downs ourselves. But God sets high standards in this area. When telling us to love our enemies, Jesus told us, be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. God wouldn't be telling us to do that if he didn't think it was possible. Purity in speech or even perfection in speech is something we should all be working on. James said, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. It's like Jesus and James are saying, it is possible. Come on, guys, have a crack at it. So this morning, I want to look at blessing using that powerful tongue. Okay, I finished telling you off and telling me off. All right, you got that point? Springs of living water will come out of our mouths from now on. Your workplaces are going to be totally different on Monday, okay? As you bring graciousness to everybody you meet. Okay. Blessing actually means to invoke. The blessing that I'm talking about is to invoke God's favor on, make happy or successful a prayer asking for divine favor and protection. All right? That's what we're talking about, blessing. There is a time to bless with our hands. There's a time to bless with our time. But I'm talking about the blessing coming out of our mouth. You know, the word eulogy, which we use at funerals, is generally a time where people get up and say nice things about the dead person. All right? That's a eulogy. And it's also a translation of blessing in the New Testament. But I'm talking about speaking a blessing into live people. The prophetic blessing. So let's have a look first at the prophetic blessing. The prophetic blessing is when we bless in accordance with the Father's intent and purpose. Hearing what God has to say for someone else is, is a part of the Christian life. To hear God say something that we can pass on to someone else. So we've just looked at a few examples. God to Abraham. No longer will you be called Abraham. But your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. You can see that that is a prophetic blessing, what is going to happen in the future. The angel uh, of God to Gideon. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon wasn't a mighty warrior. But a prophetic blessing came, and he stepped into that. Jesus to Peter, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and, my, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. You know, even if we go back to that verse and say, people say that the, the 
the devil's ruling the world. In a way, he influences people, but this verse says he will never prevail. We've got to come back again to the Word of God. The media paints the picture of what is evil is in the world, but what the goodness that's going on far outweighs the evil. When there's a bomber or a knife attack that we hear in another country or in a, in a city, when that one act of evilness is going on, how many millions of acts of goodness and kindness are going on around the world? Millions of them. Millions. And then if we look at uh, the Lord talking to Ananias, the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. In other words, he was fearful. He was, this guy? Come on. You know, he's out there killing us. And you want me to go and speak to him? Then I've cut a bit out there, but Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Is that a blessing? Is that speaking in the future, what was going to happen? And in faith, that guy. So this is the sort of thing we should hunger for. Lord, give me a download that I can go and speak life into other people. I can see what you see in that person. No matter how bad they are, now, you know, there probably aren't many people around there trying to kill you for your religion, for your faith in Jesus Christ. So this is an area where God is just saying, come on, do it my way and you will be blessed. Through the prophetic blessing, God speaks his intended blessing for us, for nations, and through ordinary men and women. We are ordinary men and women, and God wants to use us. He, Jesus Christ, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We've got to believe that. It didn't just happen in the Bible and it's over. It didn't just happen in the books of, book of Acts and it's over. It's going on yesterday, today, and forever. God wants to speak through you. He wants to have the prophetic blessing come through every one of us in this room. We've got to be open to that. But if our tongue is always allowing rubbish to come out, it just makes it a bit awkward, all right? God is speaking a bright future into the earth. Remember, doom and gloom comes from the enemy. Every encounter we have with other people, even children, gives us an opportunity to speak life. We don't have to say the first thing that pops into our mind. <laughs> and we're all guilty of that. <laughs> I know some well-meaning people, but, you know, people who say to you, oh, you're looking tired. <laughs> who wants to be told that? <laughs> it may be true. <laughs> you might have been up all night trying to put this message together. But it would be much nicer to ask, how are you doing? And then tell the person something uplifting, you know? Our bluntness or our need for humor robs us and the other person of a blessing. In Proverbs again, it says, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. So please, when I look tired, you know, have some, I've been up all night praying. No, I haven't. <laughs> But, you know, something's going on, and that love and care would be appreciated. Prophetic words of blessing are not foreign to us. And I realize this. We prophesy them over our children and our grandchildren all the time. So why do we stop? We're prophesying blessing and prophetic blessing into children. We say things like, Who's a good boy then? Usually, do we, you know, are they being a good boy? You're a big girl now. You don't need to. 
You fill in the blanks. All right? They're not a big girl yet, but you're trying to speak into them. One day you will be. And yet we don't, we don't carry that on. And, of course, it builds hope into the children, and they step into it. You know, we also need to see our teenagers as going on to be great men and women and speak into their lives as well. There's a lack of hope out there, but you see it. God will show you. You look at the person and you see maybe a great father in a teenager. Now, you might not be in a rush for them to be a father, but you say, you're going to be a great father to the person. All right? And, and you're not lying about it because God will use those words and help that to come to pass. Which leads me into the next area, which is impartation blessing. That's a blessing that carries an impartation. It's a transfer. So number six says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Now, we've all heard that blessing. It's, some churches use it at the close of every service. But who spoke the blessing? Who physically spoke the blessing? I heard somebody say, Aaron? And who carried on after Aaron? And who else after that? An occupation. Give me an occupation. I'll narrow it down for you. Priests. Ah, we got there. Who spoke the blessing? The priests. They spoke the blessing. Agreed? You sure? Okay. Who received the blessing? Ah, people, you're so quiet, guys. Come on. The priest spoke the blessing. The people received the blessing. You got that? The priest spoke it. The people received it. Who did the blessing? God. Okay. This is key. This is, this is 101. In blessing. The priests, and all of you are priests, believe it or not now. I'm jumping ahead here. Speak the blessing. The person on the other end receives the blessing, but God does the blessing. And if we don't speak the blessing, they don't receive the blessing. Our mouth creates into people's lives. You create into your children. You create into your neighbors. You create into your workmates. You create into your enemies. You create into your spouse. You create into your pastor. You create by speaking it out. God instructed his priests to speak a blessing over the, his people. And as they spoke the blessing, something tangible was imparted to the people. As God followed the words of blessing by blessing, he's attuned to that prayer. When you speak a blessing, God hears it. He understands it. It's his world. The negativity isn't his world. When you speak blessing, you step into his world and his realm. It's God's nature to bless. He wants his people to bless, Christians and non-Christians. He says in Matthew, He, God, causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He doesn't think that Christians are a better class citizen than non-Christians. He loves them all, and he wants us to bless everyone. We are all full-time ministers of the gospel. If you're a Christian, 
You're a full-time minister of the gospel. Agreed? Remember, it's not the clergy and the laity. That's not in the Bible. There's no clergy and laity. We're all full-time ministers of the gospel. When you go to your workplace, when you go to school, you're a full-time minister of the gospel, and you take that message wherever you go. My job is to equip the saints, which is you, to be full-time ministers of the gospel. It says in 1 Peter, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Revelation, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. You are a kingdom of priests. You are a royal priesthood. Amen. Anybody want to say amen to that? Sorry, you've got that job. Through salvation, we are now all part of the royal priesthood, right speech, and as priests, it's our role to implant blessing. Okay, so here's the rub. Here's the problem for you. Now you all know that you're ordained as priests. You're in a real royal priesthood. Now, if I started, if I was just having a chat to you, or you heard me and you saw me in Packers Save talking to somebody, and I was swearing and cursing, all right, what would you think of your pastor? It would get round town pretty quick. Oh, I heard pastor, oh, did you? Man, that guy stands up there and preaches all that, but when he's around the corner, he's, oh, man. Has anybody heard me swearing? When I became a Christian, at, you know, as a teenager, I said, I'm giving up two things. I just said, I'm giving up swearing and I'm giving up smoking. That's it. That was it. Finished. I even had difficulty in court when I was in the police and I had to tell the judge what actually the person had said. <laughs> but that wasn't swearing. It was just repeating what the person had said. We can give up these things. We don't have to do it. And I'm not saying that to be great. I'm just saying I just made up that decision. I'm a Christian. You're a priest. Stop talking rubbish. I'm getting excited about it. I'm looking at this priest school here. School of Priests. Tell the person beside you, I'm authorized to impart blessings. Tell them it's your role. It's my role to implant blessings. You know, the fuller meaning of the Hebrew word for peace, shalom, is not only peace be with you, as we think. The fuller meaning actually includes a desire on the person speaking to impart, listen, wholeness, wellness, and prosperity to the person or family being addressed. It was God's plan that when we entered a home that we would speak shalom. In other words, we would speak a blessing into that meeting, it was our heart's desire to speak a blessing into people's life. It wasn't just, g'day, mate, shalom. No, it was our heart's desire to speak a blessing into that place. And when they came to visit us, they would speak a blessing into our place. That was the idea of it. If we can relate that to what God is trying to do in the atmosphere, let's have a look at this, what we see in Luke 10. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. 
Let's go back to who spoke it. The person visiting. Who received it? The person you're visiting. Who did it? God. And that's what we forget. When we speak the blessing, God will honor that blessing and come upon that house. You can read it. You can see that um, he, even the, the, the horribleness of when people rejected this. Because it's when you are not welcomed, wipe the dust off. We know that, don't do it. But then it says, I tell you, this is Jesus saying, it'll be more bearable on that day for the people in Sodom than those who rejected you. So in other words, it's recorded in heaven, and God's going to do something about it. So not only does he see your blessing and want to work with that, if people don't receive your blessing, it's be better off the people who were annihilated in Sodom than these people. So you see, there's a spiritual aspect to this that we forget about. And so when we're imparting blessing, God will do what we are speaking into the atmosphere. Because it's coming from the heart. It's a, it's, you're wanting to give them a gracious gift. You're wanting God to do something in their life. You know, you could come to me and say, look, pastor, we just see in the future you're going to be better at preaching or something, you know. I can grasp that. Oh, good. I can take my training wheels off. So our part is to allow rivers of living water to flow from the innermost being and touch our fellow man and our fellow woman. That's our role. The third part I just want to mention, so we, we've looked at, you know, the prophetic blessing, hearing God and speaking into people's lives. The other part is imparting goodness into people's lives and encouraging them. And now if we look at overcoming blessing. What is overcoming blessing? It's blessing in times of opposition. Overcoming injustice with blessing. This is what I'm wanting you to see, the power of blessing. At the beginning, with the prophetic blessing, God is saying, this is what's going to happen. I want you to be part of it. I want you to speak it into the atmosphere. The second part is, if you, out of the goodness of your heart, share freely what you've got with somebody, God will honor that and bless the people. And if we go right back to the beginning scripture, which says that if you bless others, you will be blessed. So actually, it comes back on you in abundance, it says. But now, we go into this area where you're facing injustice, but you, blessing cuts through the plans and the strategies of the enemy. Life-giving words sourced in the Father's heart break the power of cursing and negativity. Matthew 5, 44 says, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You have heard that it is said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. If we don't love our enemies, we are not basically children of the Father. There's something wrong. There's something wrong in our thinking. There's something wrong in our, in our attitudes we need to love our enemies. Jesus teaches us to bless our enemies. He teaches us when in a trial to move in the opposite spirit to what is taking place. And in Luke, he says, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. And then it says, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. I remember a testimony of some witches, and their role was to pray against the church, and their role was to go into the church, and, and dead churches they had no problem with. I mean, to most people, they don't 
understand it's just a church. People go in there. But a dead church, they would have no problem going in there and disrupting it and getting, going to the prayer meeting and doing all those things, getting on committees and stuff and, and obstructing it. But where they had difficulty and where they actually, these two came to salvation was, they went to a church that loved them and showed love towards them. So here they're used to having the evil spirits guiding them and leading them. And, of course, the spirits would tell them that there was nothing stronger than them and they would fight with one another, the witches, to get stronger powers and more powers. And their their demons would be encouraging them and uh, helping them and it would be fighting and it would just be ugly. And then they'd go along to a church and they're faced with love. And the demons would, would run. They realized that there was something stronger than their strongest demon, and it was the power of love. And they'd go back to their spirit guides, and there would be these fights. And all it was was people loving them and the power of love. The love is far greater. God's kingdom is greater than the devil's kingdom. You know the yin and yang sign, yin and yang. You, which, is, which is evil, really. It's, you've got the white teardrop and you've got the black teardrop, and inside the white one, there's a black dot. Inside the white one, there's a, there's a, inside the white one, there's a black one. Inside the black one, there's a white one. And that's the enemy's trick. What the enemy is trying to tell us is that inside God, the white one, is a little bit of evil. And inside the black one, there's a little bit of good. So God, the devil wants us to think that he maybe he's got a bit of goodness. And you hear people saying it. Look, when I get to, you know, I don't mind going to hell. I'll be with all my mates. As if the devil's going to let you meet with your mates. They died, you know, a year ago or 10 years ago. And 35,000 people a day go to hell because we're not doing as much as we should be doing. So imagine the queue. Anybody have to queue up to go and cast your vote? Ever had to queue up at Mount Eden, you know, Eden Park to get some chips? But you imagine 35,000 people a day going into hell, and your mate died a year ago. Where do you think you're going to be in the line? And you're thinking that your mates are going to be hanging around the door waiting for you? But what the devil's saying, there's a bit of goodness in me. He's a liar. There's no goodness in them. But the other lie is there's no evil in God. But even if we took out the two dots out of the yin and yang, it's still wrong. If God was the size of this room, the devil's about that size. It's not equal. It's not God is equal to the devil. The devil's equal to God. God created the devil. He's an angel. He's a fallen angel. He's nothing. Where do I go on that for? Just came... Peter says, I'll get, try and get back into this. Yeah, it's not going to come up because I just added this in. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. So we inherit a blessing when we bless those who are being evil towards us. And it's in the Father's heart. It's a radical idea to bless people who curse us. But in the heavenly realm, it is very, very powerful. Blessing invokes God's favor and well-being into our enemies. God loves mankind. God loves your enemies. Speaking blessing into the atmosphere towards those who hurt us or have hurt us Showing love when people don't deserve it. Forgiving people releases the power of God. But it's our choice. Jesus chose it, and so did Stephen. They both said, forgive them, Lord. Remember, Stephen was being stoned. He said, forgive them. Don't hold this against them. Jesus said, forgive them, because they do not know what they're doing. That's what we've got to understand. That's the godly realm, and that's the realm that we want to get into. As Christians, we have an abundance of riches through Christ that we can and should release into the atmosphere. 
You're saved. Most of you in this room are probably saved, born again. You've got Christ living in you. You've got an abundance of riches in you that you hold to yourself. You've got to release that into the atmosphere. You've got to release it to those that have hurt you. You've got to release it to those that are hurting you now. You've got to release it to your ex, as you talk about, your ex, because he or she hasn't got a name anymore. And you've got to speak blessing to these people in the atmosphere. It's got to be out there in the atmosphere. And God can work with that. He can work with it. We have that abundance in us. It says in Matthew 10, 8, freely you have received, freely give. It's free. It's free. You were given it free. And yet you hold it as if it's something that you cannot give away. Give it away. Give your blessing away. Jesus said, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. Now, here's the hard bit. And an evil man brings out evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Your heart overflows and what comes out of your mouth? What is in your heart? Now, I'm just going to give you a little task. Just quickly look at the person sitting beside you or find somebody. Because I just want you to speak a blessing into the person that's sitting beside you. So just think, close your eyes. Think, Lord, I want to, I want to speak a blessing into the person sitting beside me. I want to find somebody that I can just speak a blessing to. Just think about that. You're not going to ask God to do something for them. You're going to speak life into that person. I see. Okay, away you go. Speak, speak a blessing into somebody's life this morning. I won't move on until you've all done it. You want the meeting to close? Speak that blessing. And once you've spoken it, let somebody speak it back to you. I tried to get through most sermons without crying. But looking into Sally Ann's eyes after I gave her a blessing, she's in tears. It just about got me going. Hearts are hungry for this, you know? And it's often the person that you're closest to that needs it the most. And I should do it more often. But God's speaking to me about this and Help us as a church to grow. Let's try and do it as we meet and greet each other. Let's just start with shalom. Not that I want to start a fashion, but, you know, you're believing something great into that person's life. You're believing well-being into them. So as the musicians come, just keep that. Still got a little bit to go. Let's look at the prophetic blessing. Who wants the prophetic blessing? 
Who wants God to speak through them to reach others? Anybody. Could be somebody in Pack and Save. Anybody want the prophetic blessing? Come on, God. Speak through me. Download something that I can pass on to somebody else that will change their life. What about the impartation blessing? Out of the riches that we have, that we can impart some blessing on somebody else. And then the overcoming blessing. Now, as you leave this building today, no more swearing. Agreed? Let's pray about that. Let's break that one. No more cursing. No more cutting down logs and using half as an idol and half for firewood. Okay. Put your hand over your mouth. You have trouble with your mouth? Put your hand on your mouth. I can tell all the people that are perfect because they haven't got their hand over their mouth. Let's pray. Let's close your eyes. Put your hand over your mouth. Not looking at anybody else. And we're just going to ask God for help. Heavenly Father, Lord, your word is clear. James says, how can it be that in the same mouth is used for blessing and cursing? Lord, we pray that you will use our mouth for blessing. But we ask forgiveness, Lord, for what has come out of our mouth that has not been pleasing to you. It's not showing the way. It's not who you are. It's the toolbox of the enemy. And we ask you to forgive us, Lord. We renounce foul speech. We renounce cursing. We renounce negativity and the lies of the enemy that have popped out of our mouths. We renounce humor that puts people down. And Lord, we just pray that you will wash our mouth clean and that blessing will flow, uplifting will flow, and that you will use our mouth for grace and graciousness into the community. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the mouth. Thank you that it is a creating organ in our life and we can create so much by using it wisely. In the wonderful name of Jesus, and everybody said...